Off the Hazel, powered by Golden Tea. Welcome back to episode number 32 of Off the Hosel. This is a Gary Woodland podcast. This is number 32 on the FedEx Cup rankings. My name is Drew Koser. I am your host. And I'm joined by my other two playing partners as always. My brother, Troy McClure Koser. And back in the saddle, the Reverend Dan. Boys, how's it going? How are you guys doing? Hope all's well. Very, very good. Perfect. Well, I'll start off with you, Rev. How are things with you, brother? Not bad, not bad. A little heartbroken from the weekend, but yeah. That's two of us, Danny. Yeah. We're a couple couple of sad boys in here today. Coach, how are you doing? Oh, I'm okay, but we'll send it on over to Troy McClure here. Uh, how was your uh, weekend there, Troy? Yeah, it was pretty good. Got some golf in. Uh, got the joys of playing with you and dad and the brother-in-law. Scott. Scott. Scooter. Flowing Springs. Pretty good. Actually, a good track. No free ads. Well, oh, yeah. We're a podcast. He's green. She was green. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what else to do this weekend? How's the house? Uh, it's coming along. Did some furniture shopping. Found out with COVID, it's 10 to 16 weeks for a couch. So, you know, by February, I should have a couch to sit on. So that's nice. <laughs> have a nice new basement, but no furniture. Oh. Uh, yeah, no, it's coming on. Okay. I well, I, I think I pulled my back yesterday, though. Yeah, my my ribs and my... I have always had bad hips lately, but oh, it was a battle today at work. Not gonna lie. Swinging too hard or what? Yeah. For me, yeah. Maybe the wind? I don't know. It was, I haven't, also, I haven't golfed in nine days. The back nine was windy. Front was actually oh, pretty good. 60, what, it must have been 65 day wins. Oh, I thought you said your score, 69. Standard. 80 for T-Roy. <sighs> let's, let's run down through round. Kate, quickly here, run down through Troy's round. Um, we put a post out, we're going golfing, and actually this time, the poll's getting closer. People don't think I'm good or anymore. Uh, that's fine. I don't give no, a shit what you think. They just feel bad for me. <laughs> probably just mom voting and my wife <laughs> voting for me mom and jill just made 35 of fake counts just started, yeah. no but actually so we're on hole one yeah i'm not feeling great in the morning it's early it's 8 a.m don't want to be out that early anyways we're out there i play the hole right troy up and down makes par i make six i think the quote was oh, dad i'm beating the kid that's what i said we had 17 holes left i asked to quit after three <laughs> well Why? actually we were tied through four uh-huh. and then basically you kind of got in your own head. No, front nine was good. Well, you're, yeah, you're three down to me, stroke-wise. Front nine was good, except I, double, or I doubled on, what number is that? The par five, dog leg right, six. I can't remember. I double, mm. double bogeyed there, but yeah, no, front nine was great, 39, back nine. But what would you, you keep saying, though, from holes 11 on to 18? I want 79. Well, I, want I, wanted 70, I wanted sub 80. Oh, fuck, I want, pardon my French. I want 72, but 79. Yeah. Ended up with an 80. Took your advice on 18, and I listened to you most of the round. Maybe I shouldn't have 18 because you said driver. I wanted hybrid. I won 50 out, six iron up, two putt in for par, and I ended up going on the number 10 fairway, overtopped those trees, and uh, bogey. But it is what it is. It was a good day. Had a good time. So Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for the free lessons. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, you're getting really close to beat me right now, and I think that at some point you can do it because I think you're an athlete, you're natural, and you can play. Just not that day. I was 69. It was hard to beat. Couldn't beat the 
king. Any golf for the rev there? No. What did yeah, you do? Well, yeah, how was your weekend? You didn't even tell you. Like, yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Well, I know, I know the Leafs lost, and that's what he's referencing. That's, that's all I'm thinking about right now is still trying to recover from that loss. And they lost Monday's lottery for the first overall pick. And now we don't have a first-round pick because Carolina has it now. So Yeah, and I know Drew's a Red Wing fan, and they didn't get Bunch number one. Bunch of jerks. One. They didn't get number one either. Yeah, I don't even care. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> social media handles uh, for Daniel, the Reverend, D Hags on Twitter, and Daniel Hagro 5 on Instagram. Is that correct, Rev? Oh, yeah. And Troy, social media handles at Closer Troy on Twitter, and Instagram is Yortco. If you're wondering what the hell that means, it's, it's actually his name backwards, and then forgot to put C U R at the end, but that's uh, their social media handles. So follow uh, my brothers on social media. Um, my weekend was good, boys. It was uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> Got the golf tour. <laughs> like, no one ever asked that. I eh? just like I, I asked you at the start. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I asked ask you guys first. No, I asked Dan, you. Daniel did ask you. Okay, let's go again. Well, my weekend was good. Yeah, how was your weekend? Hey, Drew. How was your weekend? Oh, it was good, boys. Oh, a lot good. of fun. I played uh, Friday golf at the Royal. I played uh, Nazi Dusty, at Dusty Zimtana, and it was me and Josh Marcia took on uh, Dusty and Jimmer, two good players. And I was 68, played really well, made everything, a couple offside putts, but the putter, it was hot. And won, won some cash, bought my booze for the night. Actually, I seen on Instagram, I don't know who it was, was sporting a new off-the-hosel hat at the golf course. Yeah, that's one of our buddies, Grubber. Nick Grubber. Nick, Nick Grubber. Oh, and Grubber. Peps, too, just got his hat in. I seen that today, So yeah. he... he he actually wants me to pay him $500 to wear for a round, and unfortunately... You should um, tell him he should pay us $500 <laughs> to be wearing it. <laughs> yeah, but also it wasn't an investment because you know what? There's no fans. So next year when there's fans, they'll definitely make the $1,000 investment now to, for him to wear it for one round. But either way, Peps is wearing her hat, and uh, he's a beauty. So weekend was good, a lot of golf, had fun with you, and uh, yeah. Hey, for everyone listening that might need a refresher, who is Peps? I know Kyle Peters. He's the caddy for Corey Connors, Canadian. Oh, and speaking of that little lingo there, Canadian, it's Monday recording for a Wednesday pod drop. We put it on our Twitter. We have on uh, Jay Onright, Tuesday night. Pretty cool. Big fish again. Big fish. What do you think, Dear Rev? I'm excited. He's <laughs> very funny. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Brabovsky. <laughs> Canadian. Okay, um, quickly, we have a big announcement to make. Um, we were thinking about over the weekend, and we're starting to sell now some crew neck sweaters that say off the hosel on them. Super tight, super sweet. I mean, yeah, what, four different styles, two different colors or something? All like the same style, but different colors, like navy, black, gray, whatever it may be. But we are teaming up with the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan, and we have uh, Nora Yates joining us today briefly to talk about what the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan is all about. And um, I think we should send it over now to her, Troy. What do you think? Let's go. Rev? Yep. All right. Now we're pleased to be joined with the CEO of the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan, Nora Yates. Thanks for joining the podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's great. Yeah. So quickly here, let's chat about yourself and what you do at the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan. Well, I am the CEO. So the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan is a brand new charity here in the province. We've only been around for a year. We just had our first AGM. And we're the fundraising partner of the Saskatchewan Cancer Agency. Nice. So I'm curious to know, and I'm sure everyone listening right now, what is a day-to-day process for you as a CEO? What's a day in the life of Nori Yates? 
Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> it can be uh, it can be extremely varied. But um, my my day is spent um, talking to people in the community, and when I say community, I mean the entire province about the Cancer Foundation and just trying to get awareness out um, for the things that we're fundraising for. We're basically fundraisers. And what we're doing is letting people know as the fundraising partner of the Saskatchewan Cancer Agency, a lot of people don't even know who the agency is. Um, and I'd like to, can I tell you a little bit about the Absolutely. agency? Absolutely. Okay, so the agency operates the Alan Blair Cancer Center in Regina and the Regina Cancer Patient Lodge, which is open to all people who live outside of Regina to come in for treatment and stay there. They have the Saskatoon Cancer Center and the Saskatoon Cancer Patient Lodge. They run 16 community oncology programs. So if you need chemotherapy and you as a patient qualify to have that chemotherapy in your hospital, then they run that program out there. So you don't have to drive in. They look after all the screening programs. So your breast screening, your cervical screening, and colorectal. Um, the mammography bus travels the province. There's anything that deals with cancer treatment and cancer care in Saskatchewan is, is run by the Saskatchewan Cancer Agency, and we fundraise for all of it. So, Nora, uh, Troy here. Yeah. I, 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 I'm curious, with all the charitable donations you know, that are given to the foundation, for example... Yep. Uh, these sweaters are off the hustle sweaters. We're going to give five dollars from each one back to the foundation. Um, where, where, and what will the proceeds donations go to and, and be used for? So donations that we receive, we usually talk to the donor and say, "Where do you want to make a difference, or what do you want to do?" And a lot of times, the donor will say, "Whatever your greatest needs are." So, as an example, what we did in uh, April. When COVID hit in March and everything, everything got tightened up, we lost all the volunteers in the cancer, agent, cancer clinics mm-hmm. because they couldn't wow. come in anymore. So we were able to take money from our Greatest Needs Fund and give it to each of the cancer centers, and we said, here's, here's $10,000. Do whatever it is you need to look after the safety of the patients and the staff, and, and even, if it's, even if it's meals whatever you need and so when we can have a fund like that set aside then we can respond immediately to the needs of the cancer patient okay you know it's funny you mentioned with the covid because i know you know i'm going through treatment um yes being at at the alan blair center once covid hit i was actually really upset because and and i always like to make light of a not so good situation but i really miss my girls that were bringing me my ginger ale my chicken noodle soup (laughs) those you know what so those nutrition carts you're right and those carts um, they're, they're stocked and they are run entirely by volunteers. Yeah. Like, and, and they were gone. And so patients sit there for chemotherapy, for instance, for three, four hours without a coffee or a water. And we were like, go, go to, go to Robbins if it was open. I don't even know if it, it wasn't open all the time. It was open later, but get some coffees and bring them in. Right. You know, whatever, whatever you need. And, um, it was amazing because then we also had the community supporting through donations of, uh, of food for the mm-hmm. staff. I mean, uh, everybody went above and beyond. But your donations, you know, when we say greatest needs, those are the kinds of things that we're able to do. Or when uh, when there's a piece of equipment that breaks down and the agency comes and says, you know what, we need some money for this, we can go to our greatest needs fund and pull that out right away and not have to wait for, for a donor, right? So, Nora, quickly here, how can people find you, social media, and website? How do you find us? Oh, easy. 
cancerfoundationsask.ca. That is our website. We are on Facebook, and we are on Instagram as well. Right on, Nora. This and, has been awesome. So, oh, sorry. Go on. Twitter. Twitter. Oh, we, Twitter. We tweet as well. <laughs> I'm not very good. At, I'm not, I'll be honest, I'm not good at Twitter, and I'm not good at Instagram, well, but I'm great we, on Facebook. We can just, <laughs> we can bug my buddy Mark Rothwell there. He can, he can help Perfect. everyone out here, so. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, right on there, Nora. This has been awesome. We really, really appreciate, uh, you know, I think teaming up uh, with the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan, and I hope it, uh, it all works out. Well, Drew and Troy, I want to thank you so much for thinking of us as, you, as you're selling these sweaters. We so appreciate it. I want to buy, are these for women too, these sweaters? Yep. Okay, I want to <laughs> buy one. And so make sure you've got one with my name on it, probably a medium. It depends on the sizing. And uh, I just want to say thanks so much. Um, we really love it when, when people in the community step up to make a difference. And, Troy, I, I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you so much. so much. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. All righty, that was awesome. So reminder, these sweaters, we are going to do a soft launch. The price will be $40, and $5 every sweater will go to the Cancer Foundation of Saskatchewan. Uh, I, I think we all hope... Everyone gets on board, buys a sweater, and support a great cause. Absolutely great cause. <clears throat> uh, 40 bucks for a sweater. It's pretty cheap these days, especially when it's got the Off the Hosel logo on it. So, uh, Drew, personally want to thank you for uh, coming up with this idea. It uh, means a lot to me because, uh, yeah, I'm... Appreciate that. I'm, I'm there. I see the stuff. So, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty cool that we're uh, going to partner up with the South Cancer Foundation. So, yeah. Yeah, so if you don't buy a sweater... Just buy a sweater. Anyways, uh, they're nice. <laughs> they're nice sweaters. I think I don't know. What do you think, Rev? Nice sweaters. Eh? Oh yeah, I like them. Want to get maybe three, four? Why? Different colors, right? What colors are we going with again? Gray to start off with. Then some Gray. navies. Black. Black. And then some maroon, maybe. Maroon. Okay. We'll just sky's the limit. Yeah. Off the hosel. <laughs> okay, let's move on now. Uh, topics of discussion that we put out on our Twitter page this, uh, last night. We asked our listeners to chime in. We had Colin Marichal at 25%. Uh, we'll talk about that. Kepka at 167 I actually wrote down, boo! Uh, the Moose Mountain Classic, 45.8%. That's a big one. This coming weekend, actually, up in Kenosi. NHL playoffs didn't fare well as we are. Golf podcast, 12.5%. But quickly, we'll start off with the, the hockey playoffs. Quickly, um, you know, a lot of Canadian teams are out. It's uh, tough. We'll send over Troy first and your others. <laughs> Dan, you want to talk about your Leafs? Oh. I'll tell you. My Oilers. Uh, and I know, I don't know how many of our listeners follow me on my social media, but my wife took a video. I didn't know she was videotaping me. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I was swearing. <laughs> and I'm like, Jill, you need to take that off now because... We're on a podcast. We have people that watch. And all I'm going to say, I'll sum it up. 15 blanking years since they've done anything or been relevant in the playoffs. Well, they were good last years. year, no, against Anaheim. They, they were there. But they played well. Have they done anything in 15 years? They have made the cup in 15 years. Was that 06, last one? Yeah, against Carolina. Lost game seven, overtime. I cried on the couch. Bunch of jerks. Met my wife. It was like her eighth date. <laughs> She's like, why the fuck are you crying over an Oilers game? I said, you don't understand. And that's how I felt the other night when they lost. So, yeah, again, tough. golf podcast. But we do cover sports. The Oilers need more than three players to show up every night. They need defense, and they need some goaltending. Zach Cassian was a ghost. He did abs exactly. 
He did absolutely nothing, zero care factor. And I know when I'm about to throw it over to the Rev, he's going to say the same damn thing Zach's about William Nylander. Exact same. A ghost. Exact same. Your thoughts on the uh, Leafs there, Rev? Well, exactly what Troy said. Like, it felt like you were talking about the Leafs there. Defense were absolute dog shit. And I'm a huge Leafs fan, but the Leaf, the defense, terrible. I don't know where Tyson Berry was this playoffs. Oh, sorry. Fuck. I got to cut you off. I don't know if you guys follow Sean Avery. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. I saw yeah, this morning. He was Did ripping. you see him go into Berry? Oh, yeah. Oh. He was ripping. But he's right, though. He wasn't incorrect at all. I, I had no problem with what he said yeah. at all. So I just want to chime. I mean, the others, I think they're really close. Like, they're close to. Yeah, get, maybe if they would have got Lafreniere tonight <laughs> or yesterday. I think they're close. The Leafs have so much talent. So much o- offense. But offense. They offense. have offense. no. There's no grit. And there's not a lot of heart, I don't think. Now, I'm not in the room. I'm not coaching them. But I think as a hockey coach myself, as a team that wasn't very strong and um, physically last year, the team I coach, we need more grit. Same as the Leafs. Mm-hmm. You. you you know, hard teams that work hard and, you know, 11 guys that have, I think, what, a dollar less than three players the Leafs have on their cap just worked harder. They, they wanted more. Their well, goaltending was better. Freddie played well, but you need to score goals to win games. And, and I'm, I'm going to be the first to predict this right now, hands in the air. I just hate saying it. Here. Vancouver will be in this cup final. Ooh. Oh, they are playing unbelievable hockey right now. They yeah, are they a fun good. team to watch. Yeah, and I'm honest, good. if St. Louis, if I'm St. Louis, I'm scared. I'm calling it right now. Vancouver is in the cup final. All right, we'll cut that. We'll save that for you. All right. Anything else touching the Leafs of the Rev or you want to move on? No, I think we're good. I think you pretty much said it. I have nothing to say for till December when they fucking come back on the ice. And Ooh, the Reds fired I'm, up. I'm fired up. I'm, we were talking before, 15 years. I saw a tweet today too. 15 years since the Leafs have done anything. They never got past the first round or anything. They haven't done anything. It's, it's Nin- frustrating. 1967, that's all well, I'm yeah, going to say. The cup, so. Yeah, well. And, and I said it to you last week, and I think Rev was here too. I was just like, you know what? I always want to see the Canadian teams just, you know, mm-hmm. bring it home. I don't, honestly, I don't really care. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Habs by any means, but no, I, I want to see, just bring it home one more time. It'd be nice. So I am rooting now for the other Canadian teams that are still going. Um, not a fan of. Uh, Who do we got left? We got the Knucks, we got Calgary, Dreamers, Calgary. and Montreal. Montreal. And I wouldn't be shocked that that could be a good series against Philly. But anyways, Philly's playing strong hockey. Oh. Yeah, Philly's looking good too. There's oh. Kemp, kind of hot. <laughs> Wagon. <laughs> All right, let's move on now to our second on the ratings list. Brooks Kepka. I have a lot to talk about this one. I don't know about you guys. Now, I'm going to start off real quick here. Brooks Kepka is going for his third major in a row, I guess, as he won two back-to-back. Comes out, plays okay, plays decent, and just boom. Fells off the maps, whatever. Do you want to talk, touch on anything before I move on to like well, my notes se- about him? Well, so, at 74 on Sunday, and I mean, talk Thanks about... Thanks for coming out. Like, talk <laughs> about TV time. Like, did you see him Sunday? I didn't. I saw him tap in on 18 yeah. for 74. Like, I, I don't know what happened there. Uh, personally, I'm not a Kepka fan. I find him very arrogant. Um, I, I am one of those guys that likes to root against him. I know a lot of people do that with Bryson. I wasn't a DeChambeau fan. I'm, I'm starting to like him. And especially after the last time you and I sat in the studio and talked and you made that huh, huh, yeah. thing. And I'm watching him golf. That's exactly what he does. There is no lower body there. I know we're not talking you, about DeChambeau. You know, but his, his, you know, actually it's funny to say that. So it, this plays in well. Because Bryson, his body will be done in five years due to his golf swing. Yeah. But people that have always said, you know, Bryson, make the courses longer, this and that. So you're going to penalize a guy for working out during a pandemic because he was like, oh, I want to be better golf. 
Screw that. He's a hell of a player. He's a weirdo. He, Absolute weirdo, but good for him. Anyways, the yeah. Kepka thing that I want to touch on is, now I want to ask both of you this question here. Is, Kep, is Brooks Kepka turning into one of the biggest plugs on tour or just an arrogant prick? Um, is turning into a little bit of, if, if you could take two golfers and combine them into one, and I don't know if you're going to like my answer to this, but if you, if you took Patrick Reed. Cheater. And you added a little bit of um, a younger Sergio Garcia. I don't know if he had a chance. But, you know, like I'm talking when he was 20, 22. No, I, yeah, if I, I like Serge. those two players together, yeah, that's, that's the newest version of Brooks Kepka. Kepka is very, very arrogant. And just the way he handles himself with the media in, in the conferences after his rounds, before rounds, it, it's almost like it's a chore for him to be there. Yeah. Which, when you're making that kind of money and you are a so-called fan favorite, give back. Give back to the people. Don't be a dick, right? Yeah. Sorry for saying it. but No, that's, it's true. I, I, I've lost a lot of respect for him, especially with his comments about DJ too. So, yeah, so I want to get rid of that now. I mean, I get, I, I always say, you know, Brooks, I, I like how he's a powerful player. He's good. He makes a lot of birdies, blah, blah, blah. He's fun to watch. I get it. You're good. We all get it. You're disgusting at the game, right? We understand that. But he calls out DJ for only winning one major. Then he says he doesn't know anyone at the top of the leaderboard. Okay, hold on. That's like me going on here right now. I've won lots of junior events, won some amateur events. I've never won a golf sash event. That's like me grilling everyone on the pod. Why? <laughs> and then Rory comes back and says this. And, I, and think, I love I think Rory's probably, I don't know the guy, obviously, but I think he's a great guy. Quote, unquote, if you've won a major championship, you're a hell of a player. I mean, sort of hard to knock a guy that's got 21 wins on the PGA Tour, which is three times what Brooks has. I just got chills there. I <laughs> love it. I love but Rory. it's so true. And Brooks, I think, is turning into, maybe he always was, but an actual plug on the tour. Like, people yeah. don't like him. I, I agree. And DJ, this is him all the time. Hey, boy, I'll play well. Yeah, but DJ. But that's it. He doesn't say anything bad. He just plays. <laughs> Goes home and you know does his D interviews and... Whatever, like he's, he's Gretzky's not, son-in-law, man. Yeah, and he's Give not he's, a break. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy, I think. Yeah. Though you looked at him, I don't know. I, I just want to open that up to you guys. What you, I mean, Rory's comments and Brooks' comments. Yeah, I, it just it it makes me angry, and and that's what I told you last week. I said there's no way he's gonna win, and maybe that's not why he didn't win. But it's good to have a mentality because I know you told me on the golf course, and you have told me, you know. You only beat yourself if you're if you're thinking about your sh- every shot that you didn't make that you should have made, and uh, he was just so arrogant. Like I, I'd like to bring up the quote if we could, but w- on Wednesday media day, someone asked him something about what are your what are your thoughts on being a three P champion, and I, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was along the, the terms of, well, yeah, why not? I'm I'm the best, or. I'm the favorite. And it, now, don't, don't be so cocky. It's so, good to be cocky, but certain times, certain places. So when I play my events now, still to this day, like now, I in my head, I go, I'm the best golfer in the world. I'm confident. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in my own head. I'm yeah, you're the best player in the world. Make but, this play, everything. Blah 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 blah. But I bet you you're not cutting down other players out on the golf course. No, I don't even think he feels bad for the guys in the no, golf course. He lose a ball. I mean, sometimes for yeah. him to say he didn't know anybody on top of the leaderboard really pisses me off because. Look J- at the leaderboard. Jason Day. Uh, who, by chance, has won a Wanamaker. Yeah. 
pretty good player. Who's this guy? Who else, who else is close there? Well, Paul him. Casey. Paul Casey. Nicest guy in the world, looks Absolutely. like. Absolutely. Oh. Did you already have to say about Morikawa after? Oh, congratulations to the kid. Yeah. Oh. I don't know. Man, I, I just... Yeah, I, I don't want to get too fired up here. That's it's... enough about that. Um, let's move on. Boo, um, Brooks. Boo. Our next one, uh, the Moose Mountain Classic with four... You have anything to say there, Rev? I'm good. Oh, sorry. You wave no, your hand in the air. They just don't care. It's flying uh, Moose... Oh, nice. <laughs> Moose Mountain Classic, 45.8%. Um, yeah, so actually the winners of last year in the Moose Mountain Classic were uh, Chase Geddick of Estevan, Saskatchewan, 73-75, wins by a shot over Justin Redding. And actually our guest today was the winner of uh, last year's event, uh, Rick Halberg. So I've heard his, I mean, I actually um, DM them on Twitter. They didn't answer, Golf Trinosi. So answer your DM, DMs, please. Um uh, Rick did tell me that uh, this tournament's been going on for a long time. It's a great event. Uh, I know some players from Regina going down this year, like Sean McNall, Riddell, um, uh, some Tana's going down. So, yeah, I'm sure this will be a great field this year. Um, it's in Kenosi. And actually, uh, the Rev and myself and seven other of our junior hockey buddies are heading out to uh, White Bear. Sorry, uh, Troy, but it's a junior hockey reunion for nine of us that were pretty close when we played for three and a half, four years there. And um, we actually have Gord on the show today from uh, the head pro slash GM out in uh, White Bear. Sorry, Troy. Awesome. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, sorry. I was just, I, you're looking at me, I'm looking at you, and I actually wanted to ask Rev a question. Sure. What was that? You got the clubs ready for this weekend? Oh, they're going to be. Well, they're polished. Like, I have a question. Have to... Are you still rocking the Northwesterns? Oh, no. He's got no, legit. No. He's got a Ricky Orange. Ooh. Yeah, I need a new bag, though, Coach. It'll be too bright out there. It's too clean. <laughs> like, oh, are you using your, your new head cover yet? Yes, I am. I, I will, that will come out this weekend. Is that sure. by chance Leafs? Yep. I got, I, I got Oilers, so don't worry. MTA, wow. MT Aerosmith yes, head thank covers. You, thank you, thank you. <sighs> they do great work. I know. I hope you guys enjoy your time this weekend. I'm sure social media will be flooded, and uh, if there's any negative stuff, do not DM me, <laughs> DM Drew or Daniel, because I'm not part of their uh, tomfoolery, so... <laughs> That is true. So I think now we should move on to now our golf segment. Oh, brought to you by Vice Golf and our gambling section. What do you boys think? Vice Golf. Golf balls, golf balls, golf balls. They machine every one of their golf balls in their factory. And I had the joy and pleasure of playing them this past weekend. And I'm telling you, I only lost two. What does that tell you, Drew? Well, they're good golf balls, I guess. Damn right, they're good golf Damn balls. right, they are, and they're only $2 a golf ball. Absolutely. So go to www.vicegolf.com, get your order in, get them now. Boom, mic drop. All right, let's go to our picks. I'm not going first, as we had some technical difficulties last week with our brains. We'll have to just uh, figure that out for so today. So before we get to the picks, should we talk about... Last oh yeah, picks. I, 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 I thought, totally I, that's just. That's why I was kind of looking at you. Like, sorry, sorry. Um, yes, before we get into it, uh, screw it. We're on the gambling talker now. Um, as a team and off the hosel, Troy takes a I wouldn't say wild card, young stud. Colin Marikawa wins last Boom. week and um, two ninety payout for the three of us for a ten dollar wager. Yeah, that was fun. Go on, try. Six, uh, four six, is yours. Sixteenth hole. That was my favorite Sunday. Sixteenth hole, par four. Bombs it. Bombs it. Rolls within six feet for eagle. And I texted you, Drew, and I said, 
Cha-ching. And I was texting Rev, and I'm like, oh, my God, Jason Day, make a birdie. Yeah, no, it was uh, Morikawa. Wow. Kids, 23. So they said last night, trophy presentation, they were talking about on the air, only the third time in history a 23-year-old has won the PGA Championship, and he joined Elite Company last night with Tiger Woods and Jack Nicklaus. Those guys are pretty good. What does that tell you about him? I, I think, I do. I think he One is the next. No, 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 no. I think. Yeah. No, he's good. He's a hell of a player. He, he, yeah. All to right. touch on your whole 16, though, that shot he hits with a driver after jarring one for birdie on 15, that's a shot you make in PGA 2015 to like spin one back to shoot 58 in the golf game. I was baffled. I was like, I almost threw my remote from the brand new TV. Yeah. It I was, was like, wow. I mean, yeah, Danny, you took uh, JD there, Jason Day, and he was right there all he was weekend. Close, but and that last day. Drew had don't well, I know I'll tell you who I had. He had Patrick <laughs> Cantley, which was like my walking Neiman from didn't the week know you, before. I thought he withdrew. And then uh, I had uh, Jordan Spieth, who didn't even show up. He was T seventy eight, made the cut by a sniff, and yeah, not again for a while. Thanks a lot, Jordan. Fun tournament though. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And how about this? Seven guys at one point were minus ten. Yeah, they were doing the timeline. They said at one point, within an hour, it was six guys tied one, tied for first, one guy, seven guys, one guy, two guys. Well, like it was just back and forth every wow. hole. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was an awesome crazy. tournament. It was an awesome tournament, and I mean, it was just it was great. To, you know, Morikawa lifts the trophy above his head and dry, and the top <laughs> falls off. Do you, you see know. that video? Actually, have you seen the office? Of course, I've seen The Office. Have you seen The Office? I'm not a fan. Okay, so well, Colin, they show not a fan. They, I, I haven't given get out of the of studio. So, I haven't given it much of a chance. But go on. Please. I said that too, and I love it now. So I'm actually rewatching it. But they show they put Colin's head on um, Stanley. No, no, yeah. not Stan, um, uh, what's the guy's Michael name? Michael Scott. No, 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 no. Dwight, the big dude. Um, not Stanley. The other big, big dude. dude. Um, Roy. Kevin. Oh, Kevin. Yeah. They, but they put. Colin's head on Kevin when he's tearing in the chili the bowl. Chili. <laughs> drops it on the ground and I like, just left it there. I was <laughs> laughing my ass off today at that one. Okay, um, I think now we move on to our... Uh, or show you another thing? No, no, go ahead. Uh, our Vice Golf uh, gambling section. Vice Golf, www.vicegolf.com. Get yourself some good, cheap, quality golf balls. Hit them far, hit them fast. No, don't hit them fast. <laughs> well, that's what I did. That's why you shot 80. Shut up. Anyways, <laughs> go on to, uh, we'll go to Rev first here. Off the top of the air. Who am I betting on? Yep. And oh, wait, hold and, on. Whoa, whoa, and the whoa, dollar whoa, amount. Whoa, 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 whoa. Boss, where are we playing? Oh, yeah. You know What's what? What's going on this week? We just, yeah, my head is mush right now. Uh, the PGA <laughs> this week is taking place at Greensboro, North Carolina. The Wyndham Championship and is playing at the Sedgefield Country Club. And Troy has some further notes, I'm sure, for you on um, the last time the 18th pin was on the left side of the green. Hey, <laughs> just because I did a little research on the golf course doesn't mean you get to grill me. My notes look like a puzzle. So, But I'll just tell all our listeners, it's a Pete Dye golf course. Brought to you by Golf Digest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now off to the rev. Okay. I'm dollar, be dollar amount and guy. Yeah. 20 bucks on an absolute underdog. He's Canadian. Canadian. Mr. Corey Connors. Ooh. Peps is going to like that pick. You know why, though? And that's funny you say that. What's that? Peps is from North Carolina. Well, so with with that pick on a $20 wager, Danny, which what's, what's, what's the takeout? It's uh, 1000 bucks. 
So thousand even. <laughs> Money. So that would be three hundred and thirty-three dollars and thirty-three cents each. So one guy We're twenty bucks. Yep. Yeah, one guy, twenty bucks. Mister Connors win. I I actually want Drew. I like the pick, Daniel. That's a little. It's that's not bad. Out, eh? It's not out there, but I like it. It's uh, that's an underdog pick though, for sure. I mean, but you know, it's not a huge field. It's not a huge field like it was last no. week. I mean, people are taking time off. Uh, would you like to go first, Drew? Because I got I'll a little go, background story yep. online. I'll go and next. And if you take my golfer. We're going to be doing a little pause here on the podcast so I can do some more research on a different player. Okay. Well, my picks this week are uh, after we won our money, so I'm going to double down this week. $20 on the Spaniard, Sergio, Sergio Garcia. Pay out $820 for nice Drew Coaster in the pod. That's a nice pick. And uh, my fellow colleague over here, the Rev, $20 on Corey Connors. Pay out 1020 so that's a big money in the bank for the boys. Oh, Canada. So hats off. is it is it is it my turn? It's your turn. All right. Just Troy, because I selected picks. the winner this past week, I know you gave me honors. Yeah, right? you're up. So I did, I'm going to give the listeners a little background information here. I did a lot of studying. Can I put my mic down? Sure, you can. Sure. Uh, so this tournament's be playing in Greensboro, North Carolina. This tournament holds the second longest streak on tour, without a back-to-back winner. The last person to do so was Sam Snead. In 1955-56, my pick was the winner last year. His very first PGA Tour victory was at the Wyndham. I'm taking him back-to-back. JT Poston, 58th on the FedEx rankings. $20 wager, kicks out a cool $820. JT Poston. Nice pick. So that's... uh, That's it. That's uh, Troy's pick of the week. So we got we we four G on Connor, so let's hope he wins. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. But hey, we're we're a team. But we want us to win. Four G A twenty, four G A twenty. Okay, so Troy's picks J T. Poston or Poston. Poston. Um, yeah, all right, cool. That's some good, cool. Picks. That's good, good picks. Good picks. Well, you know what is nice about the 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 picks that we made. Nobody, none of us took Kepka. Who's paying eleven to one? Oh, I actually put a grand on Kepka. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, I'm kidding. Okay, um, well, now what do you want to talk about? We're just about to wrap this up here and send on over to uh, Gord from White Bear. My, anything else? Just had a blast in here again this Any week. Cool stories. You want to tell me before you let me go? Cool stories. Um, that's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs> My dog got stitches. Okay, Rev, uh, what's good with you? <laughs> she got five <laughs> stitches in the leg. I don't know. You asked For a what? cool story. What happened? At her dog bark, and I don't know. She sliced Okay, we're going to lose viewership and listenership <laughs> right now on this one. So, uh, Rev, anything cool you want to see before we let uh, go on to Gord? No, let's let's get into it. All right, Dan. Good to see you there, Dan. It's good to see you, boys. I'm happy. It's always a pleasure, here. fellas. Okay, let's send on now to Gord Petker, White Bear Golf Course, Head Pro, and GM. Hope you guys enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. We all know here in Saski we have short summers. So what better way to keep your golf game up to par than heading down down to Divots Indoor Golf? Check them out on social media, Divots Indoor Golf, located on Rochdale Boulevard. Play at Divots, don't make them. Alrighty, we have another guest on today in the feature of Off the Hosel inside the clubhouse. We are pleased to welcome in uh, head pro and general manager of the White Bear Lake Golf Course. That is Gord Pecker. Uh, thanks for joining the podcast today. Yeah, thanks, Drew. So, how are things, Gord? 
Yeah, they're real good. You know, the uh, the course has been in great shape, and we've had a lot of traffic. I think uh, kind of all the courses are kind of reporting the same thing on that. But, uh, yeah, we've had lots of key rains all year, and uh, the course is in uh, some of the best shape I've ever seen it. So, well, actually saying that, the reasons why we do these little interviews with courses around Saskatchewan is to show them some love, give them a plug, as I feel every course in Sask should get this opportunity. Um, the reason why I'm saying that is, though, I want to know how long you've been out there and how long you've been in the golf business. Just give us a little background on yourself. Yeah, I got in the golf business in uh, 1992, and um, I've been the uh, general manager and director of golf operations here at White Bear for uh, this is my eighth year. And you're, and you're enjoying it? Oh, I love it. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, great people in the area, and uh, the golf, you know, the golf course is a real treat. It's uh, so unique in the sense that, uh, you know, every hole at seat, you seem like you're on a private uh, course. <laughs> yeah, I actually had the pleasure of playing it this year early. After all the years of, I've been told to go play, and I finally went and played, and I just can't wait to get back there. I mean, I like I was in awe, and it was super tough. It was challenging. And I mean, we play with a guy that plays out, uh, out there all the time, but yeah, it was not, uh, not easy, but it was mint and there was no, uh, no bad spot to there for sure. Glad to hear it. Glad you enjoyed it, Drew. Yeah. So, I, I mean, like I said, um, off the record, um, you know, White Bear's course does not get enough love, I feel, just from a PR standpoint. And like I said, I played it. I just want to know, you know, what's different about your course than other courses in Saskatchewan we have here? I, I think the most unique thing about the course is that every hole you've got uh, trees and bush on both sides, so you can't see or hear anybody else on the golf course. So, you know, it's uh, you get to enjoy the solitude of each hole, and uh, you know, a lot of courses will have maybe one or two holes like that, but uh, White Bear's got 18 of them, and uh, yeah, it's a real nice, some nice elevation changes, and. Uh, it, it's a first shot golf course, you know, it's tough off the tee, but if you can get the ball and play on the dog legs, uh, you know, the course sets up pretty nice with uh, ample size greens. That is true. And I also found out the hard way that you can uh, make a big number or uh, make a nice number. So <laughs> um, now with COVID, I'm sure some of the events have changed dates or, or, or may not, or, or even happening. Um, some of the events that are happening out there for the members and non-members, just uh, touch on that for us. Yeah, we've, we've done a couple two-person scrambles, you know, we're not really calling them tournaments because, you know, we're asking people not to, to come in until about 15 or 20 minutes before their tea time, and then when they're done, they've kind of been turning in their cards and, and then leaving, and uh, uh, the, the people that have been organizing it were kind of doing e-transfers for, for any, all the prizing and stuff, so from that standpoint, uh you know, we're just trying to do like everybody else and avoid gather too many people gathering around the clubhouse at any one given time. So now this is a question I have for you. I mean, I'm sure other people have asked this. Will there ever be a time that the White Bear Golf Course will host a Sask Men's Amateur or a ladies or a seniors or have they in the past? And when it, before you answer that question is, I mean, I think they would need five spotters on each hole just to keep the pace up. Um, I'm just curious to know, if wiper would ever do that yeah it's it, you know we wouldn't be uh, opposed against it I, I think one of the tough things is uh you know with the course being laid out kind of the way i said it's kind of makes it real hard for 
you know, people that want to be spectators, you know, at those events and stuff. It'd be very hard to walk around because there's no there's no places in between the holes where you can kind of go and, and view. So, you know, that would that would be an obstacle, I think. So lastly, would you want to touch on anything else, you know, uh, for White Bears Golf Course before I uh, let you go here, Gord? Uh, yeah, I just think, uh, you know, uh, anybody out there that's an avid golfer, if you haven't played the course yet, uh, I would definitely uh, put it on the bucket list uh, for Saskatchewan golf courses and come down, and uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's uh, such a great layout, and uh, you get to enjoy the solitude of golf, I think, at its finest. Well, that uh, couldn't be said any better, and I look forward to heading down there in a couple of weeks to uh, meet you in person, Gord, and do some content and play some golf. Thanks so much, Gord. Right on, Drew. Thanks a lot. You have a great weekend. Take care. Alrighty, there it is, the interview with Gord Petker, head pro and GM of the White Bear Lake Golf Course. Um, really good interview with him on Inside the Clubhouse, a feature on Off the Hosel. You know, Gord talks about how he got into the business, um, you know, what the course offers. It's, you know, really underrated, I think. People don't, if you haven't played it yet, go play it. It's in great shape always, um, and you won't be disappointed. So thanks to Gord for doing that. And I think now we're going to send on over now to Rick Hallberg. Um, yeah, this is a really good interview, so I hope everyone enjoys this one with Rick. So hope you guys enjoy it. Are you tired of the same old spice, rum, and coke, or any other basic mixed drink? Well, we want to change that. Here at Off the Hosel Crew, we are proud supporters of Last Mountain Distillery. They got so many good choices that will change your world. Just some off the top of our head. Last Mountain Distillery Whiskey, Rum, Dill Petro Vodka, Root Beer Schnapps, and now new, Apple Pie Moonshine. If you haven't already checked out Last Mountain Distillery, for all your mixed bevy needs, Last Mountain Distillery, no questions asked. Alrighty, today we are pleased to be joined by the 2020 Senior Men's Champion, Rick Hallberg. Thanks for joining the podcast today, Rick. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Well, uh, let us set off the record, maybe long overdue, but uh, yeah, we're happy to have you and people want you on the show, so uh, I think this should this should be a fun one today. Yeah, it should be good. So, quickly, Rick, here, let's talk about you know last week's golf tournament. You go on to win in Yorkton, I believe. You know, Walk us through that week. What's going on through your head down the stretch? Like, I mean, you have been there before, so let, let's talk about that. Yeah, had a pretty good week out in Yorkton. Um, there was a few of us. We rented a house, uh, kind of avoided the restaurants and everything, cooked all our meals, had one of the fellows come over and cooked all our breakfast, cooked supper for us. Um, yeah, it was awesome. And as far as the golf, yeah, can't complain about the week I had in the golf course. I uh, had a kind of an average first day. Second day, played pretty good. Hit a lot of good iron shots into the greens. And then day three, I had a pretty good lead, so basically played some really conservative golf and just avoid the double bogeys and <laughs> said to myself, and bogeys are okay, but don't make any doubles and don't stand up on a tee box and launch two or three balls and end up being five or seven off a tee. <laughs> I've been there before. It's not fun. What did you, uh, did you shot what, two under day one or day two? Uh, day one, I think I was three over. Day two, I was four under. Oh, how are you? And then day three? Day three, I think it was about 78, something like that, about 
Look at that. So See, cool. Rick Sedona, you know, 78. Who cares? You won, though, right? Exactly. So congratulations again on winning that. And I believe that what Thanks. that's two and three years. Is that correct? Yeah, that is two and three years, yeah. Nice. Right on. Okay, well, now let's backtrack this now here. So you grew up in a small town. Would you mind touching on that for us? Uh, I mean, where you grew up and the young life of Rick Halberd? Well, I grew up in a small town named Halbright. It's kind of almost halfway between Weyburn and Estevan, a population of likely about 75 people when I grew up there. <laughs> uh, we had a six-hole sand green golf course. They were all par threes, a couple hundred yards down the street from our house. So, yeah, we spent a lot of time out there. Started out just following my dad around on the golf course with him and his buddies and Next thing you know, I had a little cut-off nine-iron and hitting some balls along behind him and progressed through or got kind of about a probably a seven-piece set of clubs. <laughs> and next thing you know, I was golfing with the guys and following them around. And So would you say, you know, I mean, Hallbright, I mean, it's almost close to Hallbird. Uh, maybe they're in the town after your family last name. Also, would you say that you, you could drive a golf ball from your home, your house, to the golf course at the time? Uh, I don't think I could quite hit it that far <laughs> when I was young. Probably started when I was four years old. Uh, I was lucky to even make contact back then. But yeah, as, as we got older, well, once the guy was up in that 12, 13, 14-year-old range, we were kind of turning the six-hole course into a, a nine-hole course and Instead of just playing the holes in order, we'd go from the first tee to the second green. Then we could get about a 350-yard hole. Nice. I think our longest hole was about 200 yards. So we'd just skip a green and go right to the next green so we could stretch a few holes out a little bit, kind of turn it into a makeshift nine holes. So where are you living now, Rick? Uh, live in Weyburn, but I have a cabin out at Kenosi, so I... Pretty well spend the summer at Kenosi at the cabin and play a lot of golf at Golf Kenosi and try to get a few rounds in at Weyburn still. Nice. Nice. Okay, well, I want to I mean, ask this question now. So you said you started playing golf around four years old. Now, would you say the passion was there right away or was it, you know, later on in life? Uh, played a lot when I was young. Um, my dad played a lot of golf with his buddies just down the street, so out there lots with him and he definitely got me into the game and followed him around played a couple little sand green golf tournaments goodwater used to have a tournament on their nine hole course and main price park before they built the the 18 hole course and yeah the time went in they had a nice little nine hole course that we used to go down and play and playing a couple of men's tournaments back then when i was probably you know, 12 13 years old they let us in a little sand green tournaments all the time. Dude, I played a sand green golf tournament two years ago for the Rainbow Rockets. And they're like, oh, you should be on our team. We'll win for sure. Get out there. There's sand greens. I might have been the worst player in the tournament. I don't know how you guys play on those things. <laughs> well, bananas. we didn't even know what a grass green was back in those days. <laughs> I don't think I played on a grass green course until I was likely 15 years old. Come on, really? Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, not a fan of uh, sand greens. I think I played two in my life. One was in Saskatoon somewhere, and one was in uh, 
Panachai, Saskatchewan. So not a fan. I'll stick to the green grass. Um, so you mentioned you didn't play a ton of junior golf. I mean, you know, was that because there was no events or just you, or I mean, was the interest not there yet? Well, there wasn't a lot of events and yeah, we grew, grew up in Albury, so there's no, no sand green course real close. I guess Weyburn, half an hour away, but yeah, I think I played in one junior provincials. And I believe that was in Swift Current. One of my buddies and I went out there when we were about 17 or 18 and pitched a tent in the campground. And Just old school, hey? Just so, pitching yeah. a tent. <laughs> yeah, pitch a tent in the campground and just about float away when it rains. <laughs> I, I love it. I think we played too good, but we were there and we enjoyed it. So, okay, now let's spice things up here now. Now that we're out of junior now, now you're playing this amateur golf. You must have played a ton. Like, let's talk about some of the events that you, you would have played in as an amateur, out of junior, going on to now Greengrass. And, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, I don't think I probably played in an amateur, like a provincial amateur, until I was like a, oh, 24, 25, somewhere in that range when I started playing in those. Um, started playing a lot of the, the tournaments all over the province, probably in around that time. Uh, basically drive all the way up north every weekend, it seemed. Be in North Battleford or Saskatoon, Nippon, PA, going all over the place, playing tournaments kind of on the old tournament trail, getting ready for the amateur, and then go try to play in the amateur, and took a long time before a guy sort of figured out how to how to compete in that stuff. Well, so that's kind of like my next question was, you know, learning learning and figuring out how to win. But, like, were there a ton of events now, like, back then that they had nowadays? Like, I mean, you can go to Weyburn one weekend, then North Battleford, then Saskatoon, and then Deer Valley. You know what I mean? Like, like, was there a lot of options to play just amateur events in general? Yeah, there was. Um, they didn't have an order of merit tour like they have now where they're all laid out and you look on one calendar and they're there. Yeah, but yeah, there was there was events in Swift Current, Moose Jaw, Regina, uh, Saskatoon, North Battleford, PA, Nippon, Estevan. Estevan always has really good event down there on the August long weekend. So yeah, there's a pretty good opportunity to get around and play golf in a lot of different places, and yeah, it just seemed like you'd play against the guys that are winning all the time and. At the end of the four rounds, you're eight or ten strokes back of the guys that won and four or five strokes back of the guys that are making the team. And Been there. That was <laughs> disappointing for a lot of years because in your mind you think you can do it, but you just can't seem to break through. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, obviously like looking at your resume here, there's been so many events that you've, you know, you've won or teams you've made. When did it, that you just mentioned, like, you, you can do it, like, mind-wise, you know, some of these amateur teams that you were on, when did it kind of clue in, like, hey, like, I'm really close, and, and what do I have to do to be, you know, better? Like, what, what do I, I got to do to beat that guy that's always there? You know, I think a lot of it was, in the beginning, I thought I always had to play my best golf, and never make a mistake, just 
the best shots all the time and probably put a little too much pressure on myself that way and seemed like you get playing that first round in a in a provincial amateur and you're three four over and it's the first day and just not the right game plan and start taking chances on the first day and next thing you know you shoot 80 and it pretty well knocks you out of it so i think a big thing was like the first team i made was in nippo and back in 02 yeah and shelly and i went up about a week or so ahead of time and i was fortunate mark greeno was up there at the same time so i played about five or six rounds of golf with Mark the week before the amateur and I was hitting it pretty good and like Mark was always one of those guys that seemed to be on every team and he's a really good uh, role model for guys and after playing all those rounds of golf with Mark that week I was playing pretty good and he's saying to me geez you know you keep playing like this you got a good chance of winning this thing and just a little bit of confidence coming from yeah. him, I think, went a long ways because I did end up having a pretty good week. I think I was might have been leading after the first two days, just a shot or two ahead of Lindsey Vernikiewicz, and then Lindsey had a really good third day to get past me. And then the fourth day, like you had to play the yeah after three days, so the fourth day was the day that determined the teams and managed to slide in and hang on to fourth place finish there and. That uh, that helped me believe that maybe I can start competing against these guys. So after an 02, you make the team, and then you make an 06. Like, like you just mentioned, after you made an 02, you're like, oh, God, I can probably do this for a long time. You know, and then 3, 4, and 5, I don't know what happened. I mean, you're going to tell me maybe, but in 06, you're back on the team. So clearly, from those four-year span there, you were like, I can do this year in, year out. Yeah, I think I was probably 38 or 39 years old when I finally made it in 02. And then I was focusing a little more on the, the mid-am golf because it was 40 and over. Oh, you're right. Those teams, but... Uh, we'll talk yeah, about the, those. <laughs> the am was in Estevan in, in 06, so pretty comfortable playing golf down there. And had a Kind of a sketchy first day, but played. Well, what happened? So, what happened first day? Uh, just not making putts and hit a few stray shots. And I think I was about 76 or 77 the first day. And I think Graham shot probably 67 or 8 the first day, so I was way back. And, yeah, played really good the next three rounds. And I can't remember if I got a two or three rounds in the 60s after that or oh. how it all worked out but humble brag <laughs> yeah, i like it, was, it yeah i managed to sneak onto that team well let's talk about that right now i just i actually just blanked i was like i looked at a photo the other day it was you and watch your graham might have tweeted it a while back but it was you graham i can't think of the other two guys names but you guys were on a team let's talk about that team let's talk about golfing you know with graham like did that push you to like want to be as good as him or, or try and beat him every week. Like, like, let's talk about that. Yeah, that year, I believe it was uh, Clint Schiller and Nolan Rohatton were the other two on the team. And, yeah, we went out to 
Mossad Golf Country Club in Ontario, and that's where I realized that I was a long, long ways away from a Graham Dillette, <laughs> and that uh, Graham Dillette had the skills there to to go on and play pro golf for sure. Like I played a lot of golf with Graham through the years, and he's from Weyburn also, but we got out to Mississauga, and that golf course was just so hard. Really? I think it was probably playing some of the best golf I've ever played right around that time. And no kidding aside, I, I don't know if I could have broke par if I played that course 15, 20 times. Come on. That wow. Like I was struggling to try to shoot 75. And Graham and I were rooming together that week. And after the first round, he, he had a rough go the last four or five holes. And he's a little disappointed in his round. I think he shot 75 or something like that. He's disappointed that he thought maybe he got dehydrated or something like that. And started making some bad decisions towards the end of the round. And the next day he's going to have to go out and bust his butt and try to get a good round in there. And I think he went out the next day and shot about a 64 or 65. You're kidding. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you shoot 64 or 65 in this golf course? Because it's... <laughs> It was probably the most difficult setup I'd ever played at a Canadian Am. Really? Wow. Yeah. It, the rough was really tall. Fairways were narrowed up. Greens rock hard. Miss the green. You got your fringe cut. And then after that, it was seemed like it was just dead. Four or five inch rough that was just that contangled all the way around the green. Wow. I'm standing on every tee box in fear, hoping to hit a fairway. <laughs> and Graham's standing up there ripping drives, 350 right down the pipe. Wow. Knife and wedges in and making putts, and he just destroyed that golf course. That's incredible. Well, I mean, that just shows how hard those courses are actually out there compared to the courses we have here. And that's definitely not a knock on our courses. That's just that's just how hard they are out there. Yeah, it's just a difficult setup. It'd be like playing a riverside if they narrow the fairways right up and grow the rough to a ridiculous length and harden up the greens and long golf courses wow and deep rough and they can make stuff pretty tough so mid-am teams in 05 07 09 how about those years let's talk about some of the guys on that team let's talk about yourself like you must have been feeling it you know in from 05 to 09 yeah i had a pretty good run there um the 05 mid-am i think it was uh Cobsey and billy cameron and Carl Parrington and I went out to Charlottetown, and we played the Belvedere, which was Laurie Keane's home course. Nice. And yeah, I didn't play my best the first day, and then had a really good second day, and just missed a cut by I think a stroke to get into the match play. But uh, so that... the other guys got in the match play. We ended up our our team score was good enough that. We ended up getting second in the team competition. Nice. So that was kind of nice to get. Get a little hardware for that. <laughs> um, the other guys played really good. Billy Cameron, I remember, he played a, a guy from Ontario, one of their better players. If memory serves me right, I think it was Mark Brewer. And anyways, there's Billy, this little guy from Saskatchewan. <clears throat> and at that time, Billy was probably... 
Well, I think Billy was in his 50s. Oh, wow. And, yeah, he's playing this guy and taking him right down to the end, and I think they went extra holes, and Billy ended up beating him. Like, <laughs> there must have been 40 or 50 Ontario guys following around watching this, and then just Carl and Cobsy and I following <laughs> Billy. <laughs> Talk about the underdog. One of the top Ontario guys getting taken out by the the veteran one of the little fellas from from Saskatchewan. Wow! So yeah, that was pretty cool. And Carl, he went on a pretty good run. He made it right to the final in the match play, and I think he lost out in that final. So I want to ask you. I remember Dean saying that Dean Brown was talking about like so back then they had the Canadian. Is it the mid or the am that you'd play your first two days and then you played in for the match play? Is that correct? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was match play after the first two days. So why first they two days were your team competition and qualifying for match play. So why they switch that? It sounds a lot like way more fun to be honest with you. You know, I don't know why they changed that. Um, I think in the stroke play competition, probably your the best player is going to win. Or yeah. in the match play, um, I always felt that if the guy got into the match play, you'd you'd have a better chance of winning because that one or two bad holes that a guy might have isn't going to knock you right out. You're yeah. Down a hole and try to make a birdie in the next one. You're in that last hole doesn't matter. But yeah, I, I'd like to see the match play come back. That was pretty cool back in those days. Yeah. It sounds like a blast. So uh, I want to move on now to, you know, I mean, we just talked about the top of the, the show, you know, you won this previous year, 2020 or sorry, current year, uh, the senior um, men's, am you won in 18 as well where was that one located and what happened in uh, 2019 uh 2018 was in Kenosi at my home course oh baby so <laughs> that was kind of nice playing your home course and your first year of senior oh first year pretty pretty familiar with the course and everything and nice uh, played lots against the guys that you're playing against in the end uh so yeah, that was kind of special being able to win that at home here. And then last year, yeah, you're an alternate, right? Yeah, alternate. Yeah, last year as an alternate, it was up in Regina at the Royal. And yeah, I like the Royal Club. It was in great shape for the event. Just uh, seemed like I couldn't get any putts rolling in, and I guess rolled enough in to to finish fourth. But would have been nice to do a little better, but. Still got to go to the Canadian seniors, and we had a, a pretty strong team there too. So that was fun. So you played in quite a few Canadian amateurs and mid-amateurs. I mean, you must have some good stories from some of the guys you went on trips with, like Cobes and um, who are the some. I mean, just name some guys that you were you were on those teams with, and, and maybe you have a story too for us. Oh, on teams with well, the first team, I, the AM team was. Lindsey Bernikevich, myself, uh, Chris Wazalowicz, and Lee Fairbairn. Oh, nice. That was a pretty pretty fun trip. I remember one good story about that. Uh, the driving range for the, the right at the golf course, it was just a short range, so you could only hit like a 9-iron or 7-iron at it, but they had another alternate range that we could go to, and... That range was huge. There's enough room for like 30, 40 people to be at the range hitting balls. Jeez. We went there one evening. 
It was so hot out there. It's like 30 degrees, 100% humidity, no wind. So you're just sweating. Anyways, we're out in the driving range hitting balls. At that time, Lindsay was, he was the man in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And he's taking it pretty serious because he's, he's got vision to play in pro golf. So we're at the range in the evening and Lindsay's at the range and he's pretty regimented on how he's hitting balls. And he's taking his time, making sure everything's just exactly right when he's hitting them. Really focused on a practice session and we've rattled through our balls in about half the time it takes Lindsay to go through his. <laughs> so we're, we're standing around waiting for Lindsay and Lee says to Lindsay, geez, I, I think I can hit, hit your seven iron. I think it's a seven iron way further than you can. So he grabs Lindsay's seven iron. He's just going to give her the old steroid jerk. <laughs> Gives her a big rip. And it's so hot out and so sweaty out. The club flies out of his hand and out onto the range. <laughs> so they're probably 75 yards. Just airmailed it out there. During the swing, like he didn't throw it on purpose. It just slipped out of his hand. Just slipped out. <laughs> and we're just sitting there laughing. And... Lindsay's looking out at the club flying through the air like, please don't break, please don't break. <laughs> Lee's got this look on his face, oh my God, what did I just do? And now he's got to go retrieve this thing. With like people on the range? Yeah, there's people everywhere on the range. All the guys that are playing in the Canadian Am. And it was so hot out there that week. And those were the days when golf fast just give us long pants to wear. Oh, yeah, the big, heavy black pants. Big, heavy, <laughs> thick pants. And on our very first morning, when we were at that same range, uh, Lynn LaCruz, she was the golf sauce president, I think, at the time. So she was the, the person that took us out there. So that first morning, she's scrambling, looking for shorts for us. So she came back. We each had one pair of beige shorts to wear for the week. So Lindsay goes, or sorry, he goes flying out on the range to pick this club up and he he's running fast like he's just giving her because he wants to get out there and get back before anybody sees him well everybody sees him and they're all watching him he's just giving her going out to get this club and he catches out of the corner of his eyes he's running past it hits the brakes down on his butt slides across this lush green green grass huge grass stain on one butt cheek oh so no running back to the club we had to wear those shorts for the next couple of days too. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. So that's what Graham was talking about when he, uh, on the podcast earlier that he's, he has one of those heavy black, like, like boot cut uh, golf pants. Oh, yeah, they were <laughs> terrible. And the shirts weren't a whole lot better. They're a thick cotton shirt. Oh. Like it's like wearing a tarp. <laughs> Just wearing a onesie in the 35 degree weather of that day. Yeah, I might as well have a small <laughs> suit on. That's what it felt like. This segment of Off the Huzzle is brought to you by Brownie's Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownie's Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownie's Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. 
So I'm not sure if we talked about this uh, this yet, Rick, but 04, 05, 07, 09, Canadian mids, you, I mean, I believe you all went, and then your team got second, you mentioned, in 05 and 09. Like, I mean, how special was that for, I mean, for you and obviously the team, but, you know, just more so yourself, like, coming home going, hey, like, you know, we played well. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Um, Cobes, he was on both those teams with me, and... We still talk about those days. That trip to uh, Charlottetown was probably the most fun. That was back when it was still 40 and over. Okay. So big change going to the Canadian mid back in those days versus the the AMS. The AMS, you're at that, and everybody's practicing after the round, myself included. Like, we're all at the range hitting balls. Then you get to a Canadian mid when it's 40 and over. As soon as you're done playing, beers. clubs are parked. Everybody's up in the lounge having a beer too. Nice. Um, not getting just smashed or anything, but no, but relaxing, having time. Socializing, getting to know the players from the other teams, and that was so much fun. We sat around in the clubhouse for a couple hours after every round, visiting with guys that we just played with, um, the guys in the teams from the other provinces. It was just the camaraderie at those events when it was forty and over was something really special. So was Phelps on that team with you guys too as well? No, I've never been on a team with Phelps yet. Really? Uh, yeah, it seems like we just kind of missed. Either I'd make it or he'd make it, or but never together. So one of these years it'll happen, I hope. <laughs> so now I want to get into, I mean, you also qualified, I believe, in 2019. You opted out, and you caddied the 2019 CPA Women's Open. I believe you're our second or third caddy on the show because we had Danny who caddied and we had well caddy in the PGA but now we have you who'd you caddy for and let's talk about that experience yeah I caddied for Jackie Stolting um Ryan McNall and I were talking oh several months probably six months before the event was going to be held about maybe trying to get a caddy job so yeah we fired our names in and Got a little note back from Gulf Canada looking for a bit of a resume on if we've done any caddying in the past and some playing that we've done. And yeah, fortunate to get hooked up and caddying for Jackie Stoltings. And she'd won Big Break Florida nice. years earlier. And I think that was about her third year on tour. So yeah, she's fairly established on tour and, and doing okay, like playing good enough keeper card all the time. And, at the time of the tournament, she was the, I think she was leading the LPGA Tour in driving accuracy. And That'd be nice to watch. Oh, it was phenomenal. I've never seen anybody hit a ball so straight ever. Other wow. than, I guess I got to see Mo Norman hit balls once. Really? Yeah, that was pretty wild too. But yeah, that, uh, that experience caddying for Jackie that week was something really special. Like, as much as I like going to Canadian Championships, it was absolutely 100% worth it to opt out on that one and caddy instead for the week. So um, were, were you reading putts and stuff? or like, what, what, were you, what, what was your job description for the week besides caddying? You know, I talked to Graham Gillette about two or three weeks before that event just to get some tips on the do's and don'ts and how to keep them looking like an idiot out there caddying. So he gave me some tips on 
just the general rules of how the caddies operate out there and what are they told me when you when you first meet jackie ask her what she what she expects of you make sure you tell her that you play some competitive golf so yeah i met jackie on the monday morning at seven o'clock met her at the the clubhouse at the Wascana and we had breakfast and I asked her what she expected of me and she asked if I golfed at all and I told her yeah I started playing competitive golf again because I took about probably seven eight years off there and had just got back into it and yeah she asked where I played in the past and results of the last couple tournaments I played in and kind of went over that she said she's going to need a lot of help off the tees, on lines to take, yardages, uh, if there's any wind, how far I think it's going to play versus the actual yardage, uh, confirm all the yardages with her. Uh, as far as putting, I asked her if she needs help reading putts. And she said she usually reads all of her own putts all the time. Even when her husband caddies for her, she reads all her own putts. So I didn't really pay too much attention to the... To where she was putting in the practice rounds what surprised me is the first day like on the monday she only wanted to play nine holes so we played the front nine on monday and then on tuesday she played the back nine wednesday was a pro-am day and she didn't have to play in the program so we spent probably four hours at the driving range hitting balls and then a little bit of time on the putting green putting and i thought Man, this this girl can putt too because on the putting green, she's rolling everything in. Really? She has a little spot in the center of her putter about the size of your little fingernail that the the, the finish was just kind of discolored a little bit from hitting putts right in the button all the time. Wow. Um, anyways, we got out on the course the first day and she's hitting it really good. Like I've never seen anybody hit it so straight. Uh, not very long. She probably a good drive for her would have been two thirty, two forty likely. Oh wow. But ridiculously straight. Um putted not bad. Um I think the greens were a little quicker and a little smoother than what I shouldn't say smoother, but a little bit quicker than what they're used to. Yeah. And I seemed to me like she's overreading a lot of stuff. But she asked me for one read on, I think, the 10th hole the first day. She said to me, what do you think, Rep? you going to move a little bit left? I had a look at it and said, oh, I think maybe a quarter inch right of center. And she putted it about, she gave it about six inches, and it only moved about a quarter inch. And that Nailed was the only it. read she asked for all day. She made it? Then it what's that? Did she make the putt? No, she played it outside the hole about six inches. And, oh, didn't trust uh, you. <laughs> and it still only broke about a quarter inch, so I did fluke out and give her a good read there. But, yeah, I never asked for any more reads that day. And the putts she missed were all on the high side of the hole, just overeating. And I think maybe because of the speed of the greens. Yeah. But her, her uh, pace control is phenomenal. Like, over the course of the four rounds, because she did make the cut. I don't know if she hit a putt more than a foot and a half past the hole, and I don't know that she left any short. Like, her speed control is out of this world. Good. So she made the cut, right? 
Yeah, she made the cut. Uh, Did you make some money? Yeah, I got. She paid me eight hundred bucks. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I think she only made about forty five hundred. But give me eight hundred for for caddying. <laughs> I told her you don't have to give me nothing because I did this for the experience and the enjoyment of it. Oh, well, that's she pretty said, nice. Oh, work. You're, you're taking it. You don't have any choice. So nice. Yeah, the final day was pretty cool. We played in a group with. Uh, I remember if it was Nelly Corda or Jesse Corda. Oh, wow. Her and Charlie Hall. Nice. That was pretty cool. Those two can just melt the ball off the tee. Uh, wow. Charlie, I think, was the only woman in the whole field running a set of blades. She was playing Titleist blades. <laughs> Which, on the first tee, I'm looking at, wow, this chick's running blades? She must be good. <laughs> and she was. So... Would you say, you know, caddying for four days, watching them practice on the range, putting, the whole nine yards, like, would you say that helped your golf game? You know, I I don't think there's any way it can't help your golf game. Like, watching those girls for the week and how smooth they are and how they pick apart a golf course because they don't have the power that the guys on the PGA Tour have. Yeah. When they hit a golf ball, they're hitting at the distances that I hit it. And some of them are hitting it further than I do, like the Brooke Hendersons and the Lexi Thompsons. Some of those girls are probably hitting it past where I can hit it. But just to see the, the way they lay out a game plan and just dissect a golf course is something else uh they don't hit the shots that make it go well like the guys in the pga tour where it's shots that i definitely can't hit there's like some of you guys that can really bomb it can hit a lot of those shots i can't hit those shots anymore yeah i don't know that i ever could but watching those women play just gives you a whole new uh perspective of how good you can actually be without having massive power yeah, uh, for sure. Games or something else. Their putting is unreal. They just don't get in trouble, um, and they're very patient. Hmm. That's pretty Played cool. Played a lot of yardages. If, like if Jackie couldn't get home on a a par five or a really long par four, it was okay. Let's hit it so I got this many yards in. So just the strategy those girls employ is. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that would be uh, something I would definitely would love to do for a weekend. And obviously, I mean, a full-time job would be sweet. But that's a great story on caddying. Um, I want to quickly move over to uh, the Canadian seniors. Um, how are those adjustments? How are their experiment, uh, sorry, experiences? And, you know, I mean, you finished T22 in 2018 and T32 in 2019. And you had quite the round, uh, I believe, in, in one of those days. Yeah, the the first year out in Bathurst, um, kind of had her going out there for a while. Played really good the first two days. And the third day, I was playing really good. I think I'd moved up to about fifth or sixth on the leaderboard. Nice. And, yeah, the 17th hole kind of, bit me in the butt uh they claim it's the hardest par three in the country 
Really? How far is it? From the back from the back tees, it's about two fifty. We oh. never played the back tees. We were up a up a set, and the day before, I like the oceans on the right hand side. There's a huge stand of of trees on the right hand side, and then the green's long and narrow, and it's almost like they it's a hump back in the center. So it's a very difficult green to hit. And I was fortunate I hit it the second day, which maybe was a bit of a downfall for me because I thought I could pull that same shot off on the third day. But I tried hitting a high cut with a, a long iron in, and, which isn't my go-to shot. Flared a bit, got in the hazard, and thought I'd get it out of the hazard. Looked over real close and hit it exactly the way I wanted. And it hits one twig. Oh. It's sticking up about 15, 20 feet ahead of me, about the size of a pencil. <laughs> One little twig sticking up, and it hits that and knocked it back in the hazard. And played it back out of the hazard, landed just on the back part of the green, rolled off the green into the bunker. Next thing you know, I make a eight on a par three to go from about fifth place to about 20th. <laughs> Well, they weren't Ron Ron saying the hardest part three in Canada, I guess. <laughs> well, it was the hardest one I played that year. <laughs> in hindsight, I don't know, probably should have just took my drop, hit it on the green, and try to make bogey. Yeah. But. Well. Never really hit a bad shot other than the first one. So that I flared in there. what year was it that you made Eagles on the part three, four, and five on the same day? Oh, that I think was probably about four or five years ago. Um, myself and three of my buddies went down to Lynx in North Dakota, just outside of Wilson, North Dakota. Okay. I think it's rated the number one public course in North Dakota. It's a pretty cool course. It used to be called Red Mike. But yeah, we, we wheeled down there. And start playing. We're we're gonna play 36 holes. So every time we go down there, we leave early in the morning and play 36, and then come back that night. So the first round, uh, I think it was about the fourth hole. It's a about a 485 yard par five. Anyways, hit my second shot on and rolled in about a 15 footer for an eagle. And no big deal. <laughs> we get cruising along and get onto the back nine and the eleventh hole we were playing up one set of tees from the tips and uh pretty short par three, hundred and twenty one yards and you can see the flag but you couldn't really see the the bottom of the flag where the hole was. Yeah. So hit a wedge to the back of the green and there's some slopes in the back of the green back towards the front and Anyways, hit it to the back of the green. And we get up there and don't see the ball in the back of the green. And I think John was the one that walked over. And yeah, it's, we don't see it back here because it's in the cup. We can see the ball mark back there, but not the ball. So, oh my. Caught this after I, it landed on the green, it took a couple hops and then a little bit of spin and the slope come back and in she goes. So that was pretty cool. And Anyways, we finished no that kidding. round off. <laughs> We're playing the second 18, and 
the ninth hole. It's, uh, coming back to the clubhouse, it's, it's playing 331, I believe, and happened to catch one in the middle of the driver and had about 15 feet for, for eagle. Wow. And rolled her in for an eagle, and at the, when it happened, one of the other guys said, do you realize you just eagled a par 3, a par 4, and a par 5 all on the same day? <laughs> oh, yeah, that seems pretty cool. On the way home, we're talking... Jeez, wonder if that'd be our Guinness Book of Records. No kidding. So, a hole in one. Hold a Guinness Book of Records, and they said it's been done lots of times. <laughs> so. It's a hole in one, a deuce and a four, and a three and a par five. Yeah. Have a day. Oh my. Yeah, that was a pretty crazy day. Oh my god. One of the few days you get to play in. At the length of North Dakota, it's a it's a length course similar to playing uh, Dakota Dunes. Okay. And there was no wind, so it was just a perfect, beautiful day. And they've got bent grass fairways, so you get a little bit of roll there too that you don't get in a lot of other places. Wow. So, well. Yeah, it was pretty pretty cool. No kidding. Well, quickly, Rick, here before we go into our uh, seven questions from the gallery, um, just you know one piece of advice, you know, for a, a young guy that or or gal that wants to get into the game of golf, that you know is unsure about playing events, and you know maybe sometimes embarrassed or you know shy or anxious. What would you say to you know someone listening today? I think the best advice I can give is, even if you don't think you're good enough to start playing in those events start playing in them um, and just go there to, with the, the attitude that you're just going to go and have some fun, meet some people and uh, end up making lots of lifelong friends and you might not be comfortable the first few years playing in them, but that comfort will come and it comes even quicker when you start meeting a bunch of good friends and you're playing with them out there all the time. And it seems like once you get playing with people that are all buddies, and I'd have to say i got a lot of buddies that play in these provincial events now, Yeah, it just gets easier because you play with those guys, whether you're in a tournament or you're not in a tournament, uh, you get into a comfort zone. And it's nice to get into that comfort zone even well before you have the game to really compete because once you do end up getting a game that can can hopefully make some teams or get lucky and win a provincials you you're just on a i guess you just feel like you can do it yeah deep down here you go from hoping you can do good to believing that you can do good yep i guess is a yeah no for sure no, if you uh, can get that comfort ahead of time, that way when you do get get the game to compete, you're right there competing. It's unfortunate for a lot of people that I play with in a few of these tournaments that maybe their first time there, and you can tell when you're playing with them that, man, they got some golf game. And if they weren't so nervous, they'd probably have a good chance of maybe winning this event. Yeah. It's just they waited too long to get into it. And if they'd have got into it five, six years earlier, 
they'd be the guys at the top of leaderboard at the end of the week mm-hmm. instead of the guys that are disappointed because they know deep down they they can play. It's just they're they're struggling because they didn't get that early experience of playing in them. Absolutely. Alrighty, Rick, off to our segment now. Questions from the gallery sponsored by Player Golf. Be sure to use the promo code off the hosel twenty for twenty percent off of your orders. That's off the hosel twenty for twenty percent off of your orders. Already we had a few questions from um, you know some guys that you probably know from the the golf Saskatchewan circuit. First up, Sean McNall asked, Do you like winning more as a am amateur, sorry, or a senior? Be honest. Oh, it's always nice to win as an amateur, playing against the young guys. Um, yeah, I'd have to say it's a little <laughs> more fulfilling to, to win an amateur event than a senior event. But uh, the senior events are a lot of fun because I'm playing with a lot of the guys that you grew that up I playing with. with yeah. for years. Ty Zaba asks, best national finish and best score. Oh, best national finish was probably in 2018 at the Canadian Seniors when I finished, I think, 22nd. And then and the score that I had? Yeah. You know what? I, I'm not even sure what the score was. Uh I'm thinking it was probably 12, 13 over, likely in that range. Oh, for like the four days? For the four days, yeah. Oh, I was like, what the hell? I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, the best one-round score <laughs> through the years, probably around 70, 71. Nice. Ty Wright chimes in, and this is quote-unquote, I played on a team with Rick in 2007. We went to Ontario. Ask Rick who you, who you went to watch play golf on the Canadian Tour stop when we missed the cut. Oh, man. Who we went to watch play golf. Who you went to watch. At the mid-am that year, I think I, uh, I caddied for Chris Wozlowicz, the one round there, if I remember right. Yeah, I might have caddied for Chris that year, one round. The Canadian Tour? Oh, it wasn't on the Canadian Tour. No. Yeah, so he, he asked who do you, who you went to watch play golf on the Canadian Tour stop when we missed the cut. You know what? I can't remember. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to text Ty and get the answer from him. Yeah. <laughs> it was probably, uh, what year was it? 2007. It's probably Graham that we went to watch. Oh, right. But because I think he was probably still on the Canadian tour then. My memory's not as good as. <laughs> so Chris Carley asked about his albatross on hole twelve at Deer Valley. Care to share what happened? Yeah, I remember that day. We were playing a practice round, and uh, yeah, that crazy 12th hole you can't see the green and yeah Chris hit a what looked like not a bad shot just up kind of the right side and um, we get up there and we didn't even look in the hole right away we're looking all over the place 
I think he was almost ready to play another ball, and, and we wheeled over and, oh, how about this one in the hole? Will it work? <laughs> that's not, that's not a bad two. Albatrosses. Uh, well, you have two, don't you? I've got two of them, yeah. Where are they? Uh, I got one in Weyburn on the fourth hole. Uh, that hole is the par fourth. I think it's 311 yards. So mm-hmm. I got a hole in one on that one. And then in Swift Current at Elmwood, it's a practice round for a tournament. Wait, you have a hole in one at hole four at Weyburn? Yeah. Really? Holy shit. Well, I have zero, so we'll move on then. Yeah, yeah and then <laughs> the 12th hole at Elmwood in Swift Current. I knocked it in on a the old shot. twelve, right? Five. Yeah, the old twelve, not the new one. Okay. That new one, I can't reach that green too. So. <laughs> That'd K- be the big tailwind. <laughs> Favorite and then, uh, guy at Canosi here, Al Coffey made one on the sixth hole at Canosi when I was playing with him one day too. Al Coffey, like Paul's like brother? No, no, it wouldn't be Paul Coffey's brother. <laughs> no, there's some coffees out here at Canosi, and Al uh, hit a beauty on a second <laughs> shot on the. For a five six hole over water and in she went. Wow. I wish. That's that's uh yeah. bananas. Favorite bevy after a round. I like the Nickelobaltris. Yeah, I've seen you crush yeah. a few of those. I mean we are a Molson podcast, so we'll we'll just charge you later for that one, but that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> uh low Yeah, those those are pretty good. Uh, yeah, low round ever. Low round ever? Uh, 65s. Like some blue tees. I've played a little better from some red tees <laughs> in the past. But, uh, yeah, 65 from the blues. Where at? Tenosi? Uh, I've shot 65 in Wavering a few times. I've got a few 65s at Kenosi and... Shot 65 opening day of a tournament in Estevan a few years ago, too. Nice. Well, this is, uh, I mean, I'm sure you're probably going to mention that. Well, actually, you know, you, you, besides the courses that you played at growing up and now play at, favorite place to golf in Saskatchewan? In Saskatchewan? Yeah. Besides the one I play at now? Yeah. Um, I really like the Riverside, uh, Nippon. Oh, yeah, two Nippon. of my favorites. Nippon's a oh, I love that place. Yeah, Nippon's just a beauty. Shelly and I used to go up and spend a couple weeks in June, or sorry, a couple weeks in July, a couple weeks in August, golfing and fishing and camping up there. And can't get enough of that place. Can't get Riverside. much better than that, exactly. No, it's it's always in such good shape. And, and Riverside, like, how can you not love Riverside? Mint. <laughs> yeah, that, that place is pretty wicked track ultimate foursome rick ultimate foursome yeah let's do three saskatchewan guys and and then they can be current playing or whatever it is and three uh professional golfers or celebrities okay for saskatchewan guys probably my dad my brother and shelly i like it yeah and celebs. Um, celebs. Probably Jack Nicholas, Mo Norman, and 
That's so great. I'm glad in there too. Played a lot of golf with him in the past. I love it. Well, Rick, um, do you have any, one more piece of note you wanted to uh, let everyone know here? Or, yeah, before I let you go here. Uh, probably just the probably the best thing about playing competitive golf is the camaraderie and the friends you meet. Yep. Uh, seems like every city you go to now, you've got some buddies there you can call up and go fire a quick 18 with. Absolutely. I know got a lot of friends in different places where go to tournaments now and it's not the hotel rooms or camping. You're just staying with buddies' places and try to return the favor when they come down to Kenosi. And, uh, yes, that's probably the, the best thing about playing competitive golf is all the camaraderie and the buddies you meet. And in my mind, that's the most important thing about the competitive golf too is just getting to see all those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, before I let you go here, do you remember the first time that we played golf together? And I met you. I, I think the first time we played was probably Saskatoon. Boom. Was it? Yep. Last year at the. Was that the Am last yeah. year? God. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fun time. That was a pleasure meeting you, and I had a lot of fun. And and now look at us. Yeah. Now we're now we're buddies this day, and now you're on the podcast. And I appreciate uh, you coming on today, Rick. Yeah, I think you kicked my butt that day. Too, <laughs> I I did play well that week. I I did play really well. Sorry. Yeah. Wasn't too far behind you, but I think you got me by a stroke or two that day. <laughs> well, you were so steady, you just made, you were just like parring me to death, so I had to make some birdies <laughs> here and there. <laughs> yeah, you had to step on the gas a little bit, and you did. <laughs> well, Rick, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today, and and I I hope we can do this again. Sounds good. Take care, Rick. Thanks for having me. Hi, Troy Koser from Off the Hustle. Are you tired of having the same problems year by year? Dustin Felsky with Precise Accounting and Consulting is here to help. We can help you with your tax solutions, fix cash flow issues, reduce costs of business, and give back the time you need to increase your business potential. Whether you're self-employed or running a large business, Dustin with Precise Accounting and Consulting will have solutions that will fit your needs to grow your business. Precise Accounting and Consulting has been serving Pence and surrounding areas for the past four years. For more information, visit Precise Accounting on Facebook or www dot p-a-a-c dot c-a alrighty there it is the interview with Rick Hallberg the winner of the 2020 Senior Men's Championship at Golf Saskatchewan up in Yorkton he's now won two of the last three congratulations Tricky Ricky um, any thoughts on the, the pod there Troy? No, Rick great interview uh, unfortunately I wasn't a part of it uh, again Drew Thanks for stepping up to the plate and covering my half. But, uh, yeah, congratulations, Rick. You got the same name as our dad, so we know you're a rock star. So, uh, Ooh, hey, now. You're a rock star. Get your game on. Uh, Rev, play. any thoughts on the pod? No, that was a good one. Uh, thanks, Rick, for taking the time to do it. Yeah, Rick is a hell of a player. He's won a ton. He's been on some teams with Graham Dillette, Lindsey Bernikiewicz, two friends of the show. Um, yeah, thanks to Gord Petker from White Bear coming on to talk about his golf course. And Gordy. I think. <laughs> Gordy, I can't see right now. We're all doing the elbows in the air, but um, yeah, he talks about his golf course. And I really think I, don't, I think you played Troy, but I don't think Wiper gets enough credit. As we said, lots. And it's a very beautiful, underestimated course. Beautiful. Um, so thanks to Gord coming on. As I said, me and Rev, or Rev and myself, are going up there this weekend. Ooh. Can't wait. Uh, going to be slugging some Molson product and some Last Mountain Distillery 
down our gullet. Okay. Uh, thanks to Nora. Now, is it the... Oh, God. SAS Cancer Foundation. Okay. Yeah. So that was awesome. Nora came on. Just perfect. Actually, great interview. Talks about what she does on a day-to-day basis, what the, um, the foundation's all about. And speaking of that, we are getting those sweaters going on a soft launch. $40 for the sweater. I know everyone thinks, oh, no, so much money. It's not. So really, you're paying $35 for a sweater and $5 going to a great cause. Absolutely. And our co-host, Troy, again, I mean, take, take the four quickly here, but I mean, it's... it's Buy a sweater. It's a no-brainer. You're helping people like me out, to be honest. Uh, and I, I appreciate it. And I know my little family. <laughs> Cancer isn't just one person. It affects a lot of people. Uh, friends, family. So get off your wallets. Go spend 40 bucks, five bucks to a good cause. We'd like to cut them a check. You know, five figures would be beautiful. So uh, the more the more you buy, the more you tell us yeah. about it, it, it helps people that need. You know what I mean? Right now, and and there's really cool sweaters. I think we all agree on that, and that's why we're gonna do this. And we thought that hey, let's help out. You know, my my brother and you know, Ravage did buddies of Troy and. Everyone in the world right now that's fighting this disgusting disease and sorry, Troy. No, I was just gonna say, so we're gonna put links on uh, all of our social media pages. I'm Boom. sure Mic drop. I'm sure you guys know what they all are, but I'll tell you again. So Facebook's off the hosel. Twitter, Instagram, underscore off the hosel. Uh, like I said, we'll put a link to the SAS Cancer Foundation right on there. You guys get in there, go donate, and like I said, go buy a sweater. Really appreciate it. So <sighs> quickly, as always, let's go Sergio Garcia this weekend. Corey Connors, Rev, and I have him, yes. Troy, and we're cheering for JT Posting. So there One it is. One last thing, though, brother. Oh. Sorry, gonna cut you off. I want all One our Tazel lights. Everyone, August 14th, 15th, get out, go vote. Craft Hockeyville Pence. I'm from Grand Coulee. It's not too far out my back door. We want that NHL game. We want the upgrades for the Pence Arena. So please. Go out there, vote. August 14th, August 15th, Craft Hockeyville Pence. Boom. There it is. The Pence Flyers could use a new dresser, maybe. Uh, I think that's just still their name. Anyhow, Rev, as always, a pleasure, man. I'm looking forward to this weekend. I can't wait to get out golfing with you. I mean, it's only been 365 days since you went last, <laughs> so it should be a lot of fun. And yeah, we'll have fun. Yeah, looking forward to it. See you guys later. Shoot Peace, Rev. Shoot him straight, boys. Oh, thanks. And as always, Troy, my brother, the animal, the grinder. He shot 80. He's going to shoot lower than 80 next time we go play. Peace. Always a pleasure. Love you, bro. Peace. Have a great Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I don't give a shit when you listen to the podcast, but you better listen to it, though. Buy a sweater. $5 for a great cause. Have a great week. Weekend. I love you guys. Love all you listeners. You're awesome. Sponsors. Boom. I can't name all right now. So many of them. See you guys. Peace. Posting and boasting. Going three out of four, back to back. See you guys. Peace.